Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the composer for Netflix's show Beef, Bobby Krillick. Amy, are you okay? Yep. I've been hustling my whole life. Look where it's gotten me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast, where I am being joined today by composer Bobby Krillick. You might actually know him as the Hacks and Cloak, uh, but Bobby, what a special time for you to be joining us right now here on the podcast to be talking about your work on the Netflix series Beef. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, uh, really exciting, really, really exciting. I say this up at the top because you've got people watching the show on Netflix. You've got a film in theaters right now that you just did with Ari Aster with Bo is Afraid. It just must be, must be such an exciting time for you for your music to be listened to by so many people across different mediums. Uh, can you first just start off by telling me what that has been like the last couple of months? Uh, just you know, really, really fun. Really, really, you know, they're just, uh, they're just really great projects to be involved in. You know, I think both, uh, saying something that's exceptionally pertinent and yeah they're both very very different very unique from each other um and it's just been a real gift to be asked to help tell those stories absolutely so you're given the screenplay for beef you're reading through it you're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. okay how can i take my style and weave it into this story that you've been granted here. And one thing that I've noticed when I've listened to the score for this is that there seems to be almost like this simmering, ticking time bomb element of this escalating tension. Uh, But it's done in a very gentle, playful sort of way. You could tell me my read is totally off on that, but I wanted to... uh, Yeah, pretty bang on. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, And there's lots of bang in this... uh, in this story too with beef for sure talk to me a little bit about what your initial reaction was when you read the screenplay and yeah what what you felt you could bring to it as a composer well i read the screenplay but then you know i would say yeah, i think it was the same day um sonny the creator actually came to my house um and we sat here in the studio and talked about it and played each other a bunch of music and um it just became very obvious to me that he was trying to say something that was really 
and uh, I think very, very current uh, that would speak to a lot of people right now, um, particularly of my generation. Um, and so I think musically, you know, it was just trying, it was trying to, it was trying to do a lot of things. You know, it's a, it's a complex show, and I think the the heart of the show is that, you know, whatever people may seem like on the exterior, there's people contain multitudes and there's, you know, people can occupy many different spaces and see many different people. And I think um, it was a really exciting thing to kind of be able to have certain musical motifs and marry them with other things and, you know, subvert expectations and really have the score kind of pivot um, at, at when you don't really expect it to and to have something that kind of keeps you on your toes. Sure. No, I, I completely agree with that. It definitely has a lot of layers to it because there are these moments where it just feels like there's unbelievable amount of chaos going on. But also, too, then you get these more gentle, quieter moments, whether it's uh, a pluck on an acoustic guitar. Uh, but can you talk to me just a little bit about the way that you utilize, for lack of a better term, uh, and you can tell me what you actually use, but it sounds like... Um, the banging on like uh, trash cans or something to that effect. Uh, can you talk to me a bit about like uh, different types of instruments that you implemented in this score to kind of give it that chaotic feeling? Yeah, I mean, it, it was that, you know, it was a lot of it was me kind of finding stuff around and, you know, I have a, a room next to me here that's full of different drums and percussion and shakers and clays and all this kind of stuff. And then, yeah, finding things outside or going up to the kitchen and, bringing stuff down and you know i just had microphones set up all over this room and i would just there's a tv in front of me here you can't see but I'd just throw a picture up and just start making rhythms and, and and banging on stuff and just trying to find you know i think um one thing that we kind of talked about and that you know we, we really wanted to achieve was kind of to have this score that does have these elements of like you know more kind of traditional band stuff so you know guitar bass drums piano that kind of thing but then to kind of throw in all this other stuff that kind of subverts that and you don't really know what it is, but it's doing something to you and it's a pulse and it's tension. And, you know, it's this kind of, like you said, it's like a ticking clock, but having all these elements kind of do that in a way where you can't really place it as you're not really thinking so much about what it is, but how it's making you feel. Right. So you said that uh, you wanted to give it kind of like a band like sound at times. Um, did, was that influenced by the film's soundtrack or was the film soundtrack influenced by your decision to approach the music in that way? Because there's so many great uh, needle drops by bands that I grew up listening to, like these incredible rock anthems, especially that I, I just love throughout. Yeah, uh, I, d definitely the latter. You know, when I when I met Sonny, that was one of the first things that he kind of said to me, you know, that every episode was going to have a very kind of bombastic, definitive needle drop at the end of it. And, you know, when we got to talking, it turned out that, you know, our kind of formative teenage years, uh, we listened to all, exactly all the same stuff. Exactly. So, you know, just making Spotify playlists and sharing it with each other. And that definitely informed the tone of the score you know to try and have something that could do all the things i was just saying but also maybe some of it you can't really pick it apart from the you know the needle drops and you know so the half stuff that is in that world and then kind of doing this gray space between is it the source of the score we don't really know 
Right, right. And, you know, a lot of music like that uh, usually has to deal with uh, pent up aggression and anger and releasing that in a cathartic manner. So can you tell me a little bit about how, how were you trying to translate that over to your score by essentially creating something that was going to follow the characters along this journey that they're going on? where they have bottled up emotions and the score kind of also has to capture that feeling of suppression, but then cathartic release. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think, you know, so if you think about the first, uh, the opening scene of the show, episode one, when we're pushing in on Danny when he's in the in the hardware store, immediately from the get-go, you have this dum-dum-dum-dum-dum thing that's creeping in. That, that was the first thing that I wrote for the show. You know, it turned into kind of, I just wrote this kind of three-minute piece that started with that kind of evolved all this other stuff um and it was thinking about that it was like okay well you know and the show is very darkly funny and you know Sonny and I definitely share that sense of humor so we, I was also we were trying to make each other laugh you know and it's this thing of like you just have this thing and it was almost like a woodpecker you know it's just chipping away the whole time and almost to the point of like annoyance you know where the audience is like I wish this sound would go away <laughs> but you know it doesn't do that and it doesn't do that for the characters and it is this kind of turning corkscrew the whole time but it was also important to have something that could be malleable and then we could have fun with it and take it to different places so i think just having that kind of foundation of like that's the tension you know and we had this other thing which uh we referred to as a worm and he was like i want to feel like this this worm that's just it's a tension worm that's just wriggling inside danny all the time so you have this kind of little arpeggiated thing and it's like a kind of thing and we played it on synthesizer on violin on viola on percussion so having these different kind of elements of tension that can also be twisted to feel fun or exciting and it can be augmented by a lot of other things sure kind of sure starting approach so you've worked on other television shows before as i mentioned you also have some film work Can you talk to me about the number one difference that you experience as a composer working on two-hour, or in the case of Bo is Afraid, three-hour long film versus a television show that could be double, triple the length of that? Or is there no difference and you approach each one exactly the same? No, I I think there's a big difference. Um, And I would say for me personally, I'm sure it differs for every composer, but I kind of find that there is... If 
when working on a film, it's, you know, it's a very defined, like you say, kind of relatively short period of time in which you have to kind of encapsulate the story and the arc and everything that's happening. You have to be uh, very kind of uh, economic and succinct in the way that you want to tell that. Whereas I find that the difference with television is that, you know, you have 10 episodes, sometimes those episodes are 30 minutes, sometimes they're an hour. So sometimes you get 10 hours to tell the story. And, you know, sometimes you can dig a little bit deeper or you can be a little bit more cryptic and things can expand slower. Um, and I'd say, I'd, I definitely don't prefer one to the other. I think they're both awesome in their own ways. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Is there a particular track on the Beef uh, score uh, soundtrack, if you will, that you are particularly proud of? Uh, I'm proud of all of it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think one that was really fun, honestly, is uh, is Chobros. Um, and you know, it, it comes from like that's music that I think, given my other scoring work and particularly my solo records, that people will not really expect to hear from me. Um, but that's you know, that's music I've been into and making since I was 12 and 13 years old when I started playing guitar and being in bands and all that kind of stuff so it was a really nice way to be able to sort of come full circle and pay homage to all this music that you know that as a kid kind of made me who i am and kind of developed my musical voice and so yeah i'm really really proud of that one and is there a particular scene or track within the score that you were banging your head up against a wall Maybe you wrote it, rewrote it, uh, threw it all away, started to start from scratch. Is there anything like that at all that brings back PTSD memories for you working on beef? Uh, you know what? It's a funny. It's, it's funny because definitely on P- PTSD. But you know, the, uh, are, we, are we giving away spoilers? Is that cool? I, I think so. I think at this point, everyone's watched the show. Probably <laughs> it's not a week by week release. So, <laughs> well, spoiler alert, just in case. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a scene in episode ten. We're getting towards the end of the episode, and um, Danny and Amy are in the desert, and it's getting to nighttime. And they're kind of they're sat on two rocks, and they're just kind of talking about how they got here and the things that they think that they failed in in their lives, and they can, you know. And that scene was really difficult to nail um, because it is there's a really fine line between it being true and it being overly earnest. Um, so that was, that was one that took a few attempts, but I say it doesn't give me PTSD because, you know, there, there are some things when you get asked to rewrite where you, you know, you really feel like you nailed it or you feel like the rewrite is coming from a place of fear or something else. But I would say that in particular, was a place where every single rewrite was just getting closer to the intention of it and the, the real emotion of the scene. And so I'm actually like. It's not PTSD. It actually makes me really happy that we went the extra mile to, to get that really right. Okay, so you got no beef with anybody, Dud. So that's that's great to hear. <laughs> um, and then uh, we always like to ask uh, our guests here uh, what they have coming up next. I know we are looking forward to hearing what you're going to bring to uh, Blue Beetle, which had its trailer yeah. release. It just got shown at CinemaCon uh, yesterday, um, and. You've worked with Ari Aster now on two films. Uh, is there a good chance you're going to get another phone call from him? Or I, you know, I hope so. I I love him dearly. He's become a great friend, and I think you know anything that he puts his mind to, I would I'd love to throw my hat in the ring. I just think he uh, 
Tech. He's a, a true author and a true genius and a, a great thinker. So absolutely, calls And is there like anything else you have upcoming in the future? Another television show or anything like that that we can look forward to hearing from you? Currently, no. We just actually yesterday finished a recording office of Blue Beetle, so that's that's the main thing on the slate right now. I'm really excited about it. Cool. Well, we're really excited to hear it from you as well. I think it's going to be, uh, I, I at least, I, I don't know, but we'll see. Radically different, probably, because uh, it's a very, very uh, unique film. Yeah, amongst everything yeah. that you've worked on so far. So thank you so much for going into uh, detail here about your work on Beef. Uh, it's been a really, really fascinating uh, series to watch unfold over the last couple of weeks and seeing how people have been interacting with it. And then, of course, your work with Ari Aster, uh, like I said before, also in its own category that... Uh, <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's on fire right now. <laughs> like, so kudos well, to you, man. I'm Great job. Really appreciate that. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care and thank you so much for the time. You too. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the composer for Netflix's miniseries Beef, Bobby Krillick, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Beef is now available to stream in full on Netflix and is up for your consideration for this year's Emmy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.